0: Welcome to Attached, a platform for adding breadth and depth to everyday living. I'm Yaakov Danishevsky, and this is the conversation series focused on my book. In each episode, I invite a special guest to discuss the topic of a particular chapter and how it relates to our lives. I have the tremendous schos, uh privilege and an honor to have this next conversation with Rav Aryeh Libowitz, who really needs no introduction. He is uh, very, very widely known for the many, many Shurim and uh, and and hashpa that he has in, in so many different ways in psak and in a shul and uh, in, in in so many different forums. and It's uh, it was really. Uh, an honor for me to be able to to send the book uh, through a cousin of mine, uh, who Davins and Iveli Woods' shul, um, to, uh, to get a copy of the book and, and to make the, the contact and this connection. And Iveli Woods, thank you so much for making the time to, to have this conversation with me.
1: It's my absolute pleasure and honor to, uh, to be with you. The book is fantastic. Your cousin's fantastic, too, and I knew anything that comes with his recommendation. is uh, just such a brilliant and sweet uh, and sensitive person that I knew that, uh, that it would be good, but it, it, it uh, beat my expectations. Really uh, fantastic, fantastic work. Thank you. So we're discussing uh, chapter six of the book, which is called The
0: Right One. It's actually, um, I asked him to choose a chapter to be interested in discussing. I was so happy you chose this chapter because uh, it's a chapter that I'm very passionate about. And I also specifically wanted someone from a rabb- rabbinic, uh, somebody with more of a, 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 a Rav status and stature to, to speak to it, because I think it's something that for a lot of people can feel very therapisty. And so to hear a therapist say it um, kind of almost loses some of the, the 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 potency of it. So let me just quickly quickly summarize. Which is, or maybe that's just my own self consciousness. I don't know, but uh, but but let me quickly summarize the the, the chapter. So there is these uh, very well known researchers, doctors John and, and Julie Gottman. This piece of research is actually specifically from Doctor Julie Gottman. I had the the opportunity to actually discuss this with them after the book came out. It was really a really neat conversation. Uh, that that what she what she found in her years and years of clinical work and research is that there are no uh, predictive <clears throat> uh qualities to who is a good spouse for another person who a person's uh relationship should be with by looking at character traits or qualities of personality and that really the way to tell if somebody is right for you for a long-term really deep relationship is to ask yourself the question of how do i feel about myself when i'm with this person and that that is the question that really has the has power and what I suggest in this in this chapter is that we also can take that same framework and apply that to our relationship with Hashem. How do I know if I've found the real thing, the authentic thing, the authentic Misora and tradition of Yiddishkeit? How do I know if I've found, if I've really come into contact with Hashem is if I ask myself the question, how do I feel about myself when I'm with Hashem? And... If the answer to that question is that I feel more alive, if I feel that I'm in the best version of myself, the highest actualized version of myself, then I have found Yiddishkeit that's real and I have found Hashem that's real. And if I haven't, then I I, I need to still be looking. And we always need to still be looking, but I especially need to still be looking. Uh, so Rabbi Leibowitz, I'm I'm really curious why this chapter is the one that you chose and, and what your reflections are on it.
1: Yeah, so first of all, um not therapisty at all. I, I think that it's everything you write is very strongly based in Mamari Khazal, it's strongly based in the teachings of various Kedolim and Sadiqim uh, throughout the ages. So uh, I I, that part of what I love about the book is that it's so accessible, meaning I I don't I don't feel like you uh, you need to have a background in mental health to appreciate um, the value of the teachings. Um, Now, the reason this chapter jumped out at me, um, I'm not sure what context it was. You were on some podcast. I don't remember which one. Um, do you remember what, probably I, the
0: inspiration for the nation one? There was a oh, clip right. of me so, talking about this specific Nakuda that got yeah. I guess, more so, attention.
1: When you said it, like I froze. I was like, I meaning when you quoted the the uh, the Gottman. I've I've heard a lot of things. I never really made it through any other books, but I heard a lot of things from from John Gottman, uh, and and most of the most of the of the things that I've heard are really uh, spot on. But for some reason, I've never heard anyone quote this Nakuda before, and it, I, I felt so vindicated in a number of ways by this Nakuda. Um, you know, I teach uh, young men who are of marriageable age, uh, who are either dating or have just gotten married. And a lot of times they come for advice in terms of navigating relationships, and particularly in the dating stage. Uh, the The amount that that I find that people in the dating stage get into the weeds of uh, specifics. But can I marry someone who wears this kind of clothing? Can I? Like, and and like the details are like things they, that the guys themselves don't even know the words. They don't even understand what they're talking about half the time. <laughs> they don't. They wouldn't know a stocking from a you know like. <laughs> they don't know what they're but but you know the the the, the detail ori- oriented types of questions and i just like always say like take a step back like a person is a lot more than one than one factor like ha- ha- how do you get along how do you feel like when you when you're with that person and it it to me that was like that's it like to have the data to back that up that how you feel about yourself when you're with the person being the number one Um, factor in terms of, you know, in terms of predicting success of a relationship, I thought was uh, fantastic. And, and also, because my my own friends make fun of me sometimes when uh, I've been interviewed on, also by Yaakov Langer, back when he was together with, uh, you know, uh, on, on uh, The Meaningful People, together with Nachi Gordon, and one of their questions that they used to ask is if you could sit down and talk to anybody uh, for an hour. Um, in human history who would it be and my response immediately was that like I, I'm a shy person I'm an introvert I don't really love you know big rooms with lots of people and schmoozing and I, I said for sure just like at home alone with my wife just <laughs> sitting and schmoozing and my friends were like ah oh, come on you're just you know you're <laughs> just saying that but like I think the mushal is is more powerful than the nimshal almost. You know, you you use the marriage as the mushal to the relationship with your slalom, but the mushal is not understood by so many people. Like a lot of people don't, they don't live the mushal. And it's really, really important to live the mushal. Uh, so that's why it resonated with me. That's why I chose this uh, yeah. this chapter.
0: By the way, it's it's uh, interesting that you mentioned that you've seen a number of the different uh, or heard you know different pieces of the Gottman's research. Because uh, when I met with them, uh, I sent them a copy of the book, and and Baruch Hashem they they actually really enjoyed it. And uh, and then we 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 had a Zoom conversation, the three of us, for about an hour. Uh, this is about a couple months ago, and. Uh, well, you know, I was asking them did I get things right in terms of the way I quoted things from you, and uh, and and wh- one of the things they said to me was that this piece of research, specifically this nugget uh, about you know the the difference between looking at character traits versus how do I feel about myself when I'm with this person, again is actually specifically uh, Dr. Julie Gottman's uh, uh, contribution was one of the pieces of their research that got the that has gotten the least attention, and it's one of the things that has been least uh, kind of celebrated or, or, or spread. Uh, and, and, and yet we were talking about how of so many of the things that Dave contributed, I think this is one of the, one of the most uh, powerful, but it it has not gotten a whole lot of attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I right. I, I I only know that from my own experience, never having heard it anywhere else and, uh, and that, that you're publicizing it and bring, you know, bringing it to, uh, to a whole new audience, uh who maybe would not have heard it otherwise I think is uh, is huge, usually important so uh yeah that's uh that's fantastic that's really wonderful um, so uh, do you want me to maybe discuss some of the details in the uh yes please in topic?
0: yeah or 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 also just in terms of you know you mentioned that it is like the mashal and the nimshal. so meaning the mashal is the way that that that, that idea is uh, used in terms of person to person relationships, particularly marriage, and the nimshal being the way that it's used between uh, person to God relationship, and I'm I'm curious also how you see that playing out in between us and Hashem.
1: Right. Right. So maybe we'll start with the mushle and we'll, and then we'll go into the, uh, into the Nimshal. You know, starting with the mushle, you know, you have a line over here where you uh, discuss, you know, around this one question is a cluster of related questions they're saying to reflect on. What does it feel like to be me when I'm with this person in the company of this person? Here's, here's the line. Do I feel good about the person I am? Do I feel good in my own skin? And I think that the power of a of a strong and good relationship is is could be summarized in the, in that line that it really brings out the best in you. That you become a better person when you're around this person. You know, you're you're a little younger than I am, so you're not at the stage in life where you start marrying off children. But uh, we're right in that stage, right? Our oldest uh, son is married, and thank God has uh, we have a granddaughter. Um, and uh, someone said to me recently, we were at a simcha, and my son and daughter-in-law uh, were at the simcha together with us. And uh, a cousin of ours said, after we were schmoozing with my son a little bit, said, wow, he became such a mensch. He became such, like, he really like, It's just so impressive. And I said, he married a good woman. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's so obvious that she just brings out the best in him. And that's what a, that's what a good relationship can do. And, of course, it's going to develop, it's going to build your own self-confidence when you realize that you're a better person around that person. So I think as, as a mushal, it's extraordinarily uh, powerful as as a mushal. Now, as a nimshal, also very powerful. Um, I, I'm curious, though, if you don't mind me interviewing you for a moment, um, you know, the way you phrased it at the beginning was, how do you know you found the right one, one with a capital O, the real thing? How do you know you're in the right relationship? So, I, I, I'm curious like why you phrased it as how you know you found the right one as opposed to how do you know that you understand the one or that you ah. understand what a relationship <laughs> with the one should be. Meaning like there's no right one and wrong one. There's just one. Right, right, right. right. I guess that's
0: true, right? I guess maybe – I don't know if I thought about it in terms of the that, – that I, I don't know that I thought about that distinction in the sense that, yes, there is only, there is only actually one, uh, but how do you know you've come into contact with him? Versus right. or, coming or to they, contact where with him. you've some. come
1: into contact with him is the right method of contact, or the right, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you're navigating the relationship appropriately. Meaning, mm-hmm. I, I would say, like when you're when when someone is dating, they may have found the one, but if they're not speaking properly, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. if they're um, not speaking with respect, or they're 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 interacting with the person on a more juvenile level, you know, mm-hmm. so then the relationship's not going to build. It's not. It's not going to develop the way it should develop, but if they're relating to the person as they ought to relate to the person, then the relationship has much more um, chances to develop. So it's not. It's not who the one is. The one is the one, right? It's just right. I guess
0: I mean maybe it would be like an interesting philosophical question. So like, let's say, just to use a kind of cliche version of this, let's say somebody has a understanding of God as a very uh, punishing. Um, you know, angry, let's just, let's just, you know, t- oversimplify <laughs> this example for a second, they have this understanding of God as this very punishing, very angry, uh, very, ze- you know, zealous kind of a God. Uh, and that's, that's their perception of God. So, I mean, th- this is more of a philosophical nature, I guess, I don't know that it, I don't know how much it matters practically. But would you say that that person has come into contact with, with God with the one, uh, but just that they've they, their their perception of it and their method of, of coming into contact is wrong? Or would you say that that's actually not coming into contact with God, that's just coming into contact with some imagined, you know, idea of something, but it's not actually the thing
1: itself? That's a very interesting point. Yeah, the way I was looking at it was that once you recognize that there is a creator, and there is someone that controls the world and that put the world into place and that made you and that you know so then you've 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 contacted the one if you're if you're looking at him with a jauntist eye and you're misunderstanding and i obviously none of us fully understand but sure. you know if you're not even using the right pathways through which human beings have the capacity to understand. So then, you know, your, your relationship's not going to develop the same way. But I think at the end of the day, as, as far as practicality is <laughs> concerned, there's no right. real difference between uh, right. uh what you're saying. I will say it's just the first thing that jumped out at me when you said like, yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting, I never
0: thought about it. It's an interesting question. Yeah.
1: The, um, you know, the, 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 uh, just back to the, um to the muscle for a second. um, The idea that, uh, and 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 it connects to the Nimshal also. The idea that a a positive relationship with another person is reflected in the sense that you become better around them and that you feel better about yourself. You know, I'm reminded of um of a uh, Vart I once heard from Rabbi Prero in Chicago. Um you know who Sure, yeah, you have Alicia Prero, so you know. yeah. Yeah, so it was oh, that Mayor, it was that Rabbi Mayor Simchashomer's Shevrobrachos. Yeah, yeah, it's not his, his father in law, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he said at the Shevrobrachos, um, a word from that he heard from, I think it was from Rav Aaron Soloveitchik, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been Rav scene. I'm not sure. It was one of the Ravaros, uh, <laughs> where the uh, you know the Gemara says that when the Chumash tells us that that a wife is an Azer Kinegdo, that Chava is an Ezer Kinegdo, so the Gemara says Zochah Azer. Lo zacha konegdo, which we normally translate to mean that if you merit, then she will be a uh, helpful person to you. And if lo if you don't merit, then you're going to be left with a miserable wife and she's always going to be fighting you at every turn. So he said, zacha sometimes means not just merit, it sometimes means that you are correct, that you are Right. So he says, Zacha Ezer. To the 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 perfect woman, uh, the perfect match for a person, the perfect mate for a person, is both of those things. That when you are Zacha, when you are correct and you're doing the right things, Ezer she'll push you in that direction and she'll help do whatever she can to help you accomplish those things that you're meant to accomplish. And Lo Zacha, when you're wrong, and when you're you're putting your efforts in the wrong place, and you're holding grudges, and you do. Kinegdo, she'll be the one to be kinegdo to to, pr- to protect you from from the worst parts of yourself, hmm. and to use our relationship with the rebonishlo them in that same way. That to uh, realize that Hakadosh Baruch you know, habalat tireh, a person wants to be a person wants to to do good things. Hakadosh Baruch should uh, should push him. Now, the idea of a punishing God, we we certainly do believe in Skarva onesh. Hashem does punish. He punishes us when we are connected, when we make the wrong decisions in our lives. But that's not what he's hoping to do. He's not. He's not looking to punish us. He's looking to push us in uh, in the right direction. So that that uh, part of the mashal also, you know, had a certain resonance uh, with me, also. I think like a certain emphasis probably just, you know, for balance, um, uh, should probably be, and you do have this a little bit in the ch- a little bit later in the chapter, um, and you make allusions to it earlier also where you write that it's it, to be confident enough and motivated to expand beyond your comfort zone. I mean, the idea is not just to know that I love myself and that, uh, Hashem loves me and that everything is always good, which, you know, uh, but, but it's to, take that love that Hashem has for me and realize that that should be a motivating factor to strive for more. You know, that a person who loves mitzvot and he loves avodas Hashem is just going to be hungry for more. You know, or the idea, let's say, uh, where you speak about, um, you know, that I realize even while my hands are still tummy, before I've even done the tilis yudayim, I, I realize I'm here because Hashem wants me to be here. Um, part of that is also, and and therefore Hashem has a mission for me to accomplish today. Right. Meaning that, uh, so like that 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 sense of uh, of mission, I think, is an important because a lot of times when people hear this very correct and resonant and powerful message, of being comfortable that Hashem loves you, being comfortable that, you know, that Hashem wants you to be where you are and to not view yourself in a negative light. And that Hashem, even regardless of what you did yesterday, Hashem loves you. People very often don't finish the sentence. I, I even had, you know, uh, uh, a friend of mine, probably a mutual friend of ours, I would bet, Kovi uh, uh, Fleischman, you know, Kovi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sent me a video um, a while ago of Rav Moshe Weinberger talking about you know this idea which is you know pretty much like the most uh, central theme of Rav Weinberger's teachings um you know about Hashem loving you and at the end of the, and, and and the end of the sentence was um that uh, you know and, and and that means that we have an akhrayus to live up to that love and to do more and to try to and to try to respond to that love in a, in a powerful way and uh he said do you think i should put this out there this video i said why not it's great he said i'm just afraid that um once it gets out there someone's going to cut out the second half and only post the first half i said what are you talking about who cuts videos and is going to do that Literally within an hour of him sending it out, I had it forwarded to me from other places. Look at this beautiful video from Rav Weinberg with only the first half (laughs) and the second half. Meaning it's, it's people love to hear that no matter what you do, Hashem loves you because that but if you use that as a license to do whatever the heck you darn please, you know, that's not a good thing. I mean, we have to, I, I like how you emphasized, uh, particularly at the end of the chapter, and, and this is what should motivate us to expand our horizons, to go beyond our comfort zone, to do more, to do better, to reciprocate, you know, that, that love. I just heard uh, in a sheer from Rabbi Yisrael Reisman, he said that. Uh, uh, the day after his wedding, he had his father pick him up. His father picked him up from his apartment to bring him to shachris to go to davening um, because he can't go out without a shomer. So uh, his father picked him up. His father is a Holocaust survivor. His father was uh, a person who saw a lot of tsaros in his life. He had lost a child, um, really a lot of lot of tsaros. And he said that they were at davening together. And he sees his father's putting on rabbi and time And he says to his father, "When did you start putting on rabbi and time so his father said, "Today, I was going to marry you off his son. Because Baruch gave me such a matana. I'm not going to do something in return. I, wow. I have I meaning that that love Hashem just showed me demands that I do something concrete going forward to reciprocate that love. I think that's uh, that's that's a major element of the um, yeah. you know, of the picture over here. Yeah,
0: I'm so happy that you're emphasizing that because I think for whatever reasons that's that's really a, a like a culturally wide, societally wide uh, mistake that, at least it seems to me, that that there's this sense that if I focus on self-acceptance, if I focus on uh, Hashem loving me, whether we talk about it from a spiritual perspective, a religious perspective, or a psychological perspective, any of these kinds of forms of that kind of positive messaging, then that leads to complacency. And that if I focus on a more critical message, then that leads to motivation, and and it really I think that the the research at least psychologically really does not indicate that at all. It actually indicates uh, in many ways the opposite. It's it's actually a little bit complex, but because because it cause this the critic criticism can certainly lead to motivation, but it usually leads to motivation at 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 the cost of a lot of other important things in life. So the people who are motivated by by overly critical messages can sometimes achieve a lot, but in a very, very narrow sense when the rest of their life will actually be falling apart. Uh, but But the idea that that the positivity, and I think this is what I'm hearing you emphasize that the, the positive messaging can and should and actually really does when done, when done correctly, does lead to more growth and motivation, I think is so is so important and, and often just misunderstood.
1: Yeah, I think there's, I mean, you allude to this also, that there's more than allude to you say explicitly at the end of the chapter, that there's that a sense of happiness just has this spillover effect in every area of life. Meaning if you start your day, let's say, with just feeling that you've accomplished something, you know, the most common example people give is exercise, right? If you, if you start your day on the treadmill and you feel like, okay, I just ran a couple of miles, it's, today's going to be a good day, you're going to eat better that day than you otherwise would right. have. You're going to everything you do is going to be a little, a little bit better. Um, you know, you start your day with a Seder Limud and with a good And with it just, you know, I just had this experience myself because I, after Pesach, I decided, OK, back to the treadmill. And I was being good about it from Pesach until Shavuos. And then, you know, pulled the muscle in my leg. So that first day that I couldn't go on the treadmill, I had to lousy as day you know (laughs) when you when you don't don't get to start off in that way so you feel like oh now everything's going to be bad today meaning it really you know it feeds it feeds itself we uh we we need the small wins uh to uh and 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 that just genuine sense of happiness to uh, motivate us throughout the day Mm
0: mm-hmm the The simplest example I always just like to give people when they when they challenge this idea that that the happiness or positivity will will breed motivation, uh, is is I don't know from eating is you know if if I if I'm eating uh, a steak that I think is delicious and I have a bite and it's delicious that doesn't make me not want to continue eating. quite the opposite that makes me want to eat more to the point where i'll overeat right when something is good and it feels good and it's delicious we want we want more of it so if i feel good about having done something positive and i don't have to and i don't criticize myself for it or find the way that it wasn't good enough or that it didn't meet some expectation but i actually allow myself to feel good about it that's going to motivate me to want to to want to push myself to have more of those experiences i think
1: Yeah. And and going back to the muscle of the human relationships, being a positive person, just in general, will do more for your relationship than any other um, particular character trait. You could be brilliant, you could be witty, you could be funny, you could... Just being a positive person, you come into your house at the, you know, after a long day with a big smile on your face. How was your day today? It was great. Uh, uh, again, quoting Rabbi Reisman uh, from Tarvadas, he he says that uh, he. I brought my Talmidim from YU to Tarvadas a few weeks ago uh, to meet with Rabbi Reisman, and at the end he said, "You guys are all at the age where you're either just got married or getting married, you know, or in that parsha. When you come home after a long day, just everything was great." Big smiling face. Later, after dinner, you know, you could break it to her that you need a new car because of the accident that you got into, or, you know. Whatever. But like, it has to be with you know, with, with that sense of of positivity to know how how to smile and how to you know not sweat the small stuff, and to uh, mm-hmm. and and th- that that will impact your whole relationship. And again, it fits perfectly into the uh, into the, the nimshel. Yeah. So
0: it, it seems to me that at least this is my anecdotal experience it is not coming from any kind of research or anything like that, but it, it feels to me very often like the culture in our from circles is that we're, it, it, there's almost like a, uh, a street credit, you know, that a person gets by kind of putting themselves down in terms of their from kite of like where they're holding or what they've done. Um, you know, like in, you know, it, in elementary yeshivos, so like when somebody is still, you know, primarily in learning, or they're a balabas trying to learn, and it's, you know, to 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 talk positively. I mean, I, I I'm not advocating for talking overly positively in a way that would be kind of like arrogant or egotistical, but there there's kind of like a a, a culture of just at least it feels to me there's like a culture of of formulating my own religious life with a very kind of self critical tone to it. Um, I, I don't yeah. know if you agree with that observation. Do you think that there's a there's something good about that? Do you think that's something we want to try and change?
1: Um, I, I think that in general, there's always been you know two schools of Moser. Um, there's the Godless Adam Slobodka, and then there's Navardic and there's you know the the, the it, it, it used to be whether human nature has changed or whether just our opportunities outside of uh, our from communities have uh, have changed and therefore negativity will just drive people away whether we're more sensitive whatever the 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 issue is but it seems that it used to be a very effective method um you know to motivate people by uh uh by by lowering oneself as much as possible it doesn't seem that in our generation people react well, to that meaning, even like the great Litvisher Rashi Yeshiva, it was part of the culture that if you said a bad svara, they would just yell at you. Like you know, it was like it was that people in Rav Salavetchikshir before his uh, year of triple Avelis, when supposedly he mellowed a lot. You know, like uh, he, he would, uh, if you said a bad svarah, ah, shikar. He would he would call people a drunkard and uh, you know, like, that, because that was that's how you said good morning in Litta, You know, that's. That was, <laughs> And that was the way that was the way people uh, motivated each other. Um I, I and, and and at the same time we also have to realize that anivus is a very, very high value in Judaism. One could argue that uh, according to most of the Bali it it is the most important Mida for a person to have. You know, when um uh when the Orchas Sadikim goes through Mida by Midah, he starts with Gaiva and Anivus because that's you know that that's the most critical media to develop. So the question is, how to balance that sense of anivus, and, and without being, you know, a defeatist and uh, someone who's always down on yourself to the point that you're not going to be able to to accomplish. So that that's tricky. The Gemara and Sota tells us in Daflamid Lamed that a person should not flaunt their accomplishments. Be aware of them, but not flaunt them. And the Gemara says, but. Um, your failures, you should you should say out loud. And mm-hmm. then the Gmar says, really? You should go around telling everyone about your Averos and your failures? And the Gmar says, no, no, your sorrows, your challenges, your difficulties, so that people could daven for you, but not your failures. Meaning Tamei Tamei Yikra, the mitsoro lets everybody know so that they could daven for him and that they could, uh, you know, they could participate in uh, being part of the solution for, for that person's problems. Um, but it's an interesting hava amina and maskar in the Gemara that the Gemara is a hava amina. The Gemara initially thinks that you should let your failures be known to, to other people. You should go around talking about it. And then the Gemara says, no, you, re- you really shouldn't do that. It's probably not the way to go. <laughs> so that, that that like almost like struggles with this very uh, this very point. Yeah. Yeah. Another point that I was just uh, switching topics for a yeah, moment, please. um that 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 uh, jumped out at me in this uh, chapter um you quoted from your grandfather with the joke about the zoo owner um yeah. who's uh how much should I explain? Do we assume that everyone who's listening read the, uh, <laughs> the chapter? Should I, uh, should I should I go through it before I make my um, comment?
0: Most of these, I've been trying to assume people haven't read the book. So okay, all right. <laughs> so
1: uh, basically, the uh, the joke goes that there was a guy, uh, a zoo owner, didn't have enough money to buy a monkey, and he therefore paid one of the zoo workers to dress in a monkey suit and to uh, pretend to be a monkey, and then uh, he was and he was doing a great job. And then one day he somehow tumbled and landed in the lion's cage, and the lion approaches him, and he started to shriek. He was terrified; he was going to be eaten alive. And slowly the lion comes right up to him and 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 whispers in his ear, "Quiet! If you don't stop screaming, you're going to blow both of our covers." Meaning that the lion <laughs> was also in a uh, was also really just a person in a suit, and you use that as a uh, a lesson that very often um we're a bunch of people wearing monkey suits trying to impress lions that aren't really lions they're just people wearing lion suits meaning that a lot of the things that we do a lot of the keeping up with the joneses and things of that nature nobody is 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 really themselves and you know in our innermost relationships uh hopefully our relationship with god and hopefully also our relationship with our spouses we can just sort of let our hair down and just like be ourselves and we can actually just be um as opposed to the way we are you know in in uh in in the way we interact with uh with society um so i found it interesting um because i think that it's very true there's a there's a lot of a a, a lot of um yeah, I don't. It's maybe a little too cynical to call it a show that that we put on, but um, you know whether it be protocols, etiquette, uh, things that we do for social norms that maybe aren't really a reflection of ourselves. At the same time, the flip side of that, that maybe I think is worth exploring, is the value of that, meaning the value of having those social norms and those etiquette and you know i i don't you know when when uh, no one's around and i 'm not going to be on uh, a uh a, a video call i'm not wearing a tie you know and uh you know or a white shirt or whatever mm-hmm. you know at night when i 'm just you know in my house alone uh obviously i 'm in much more casual clothing uh but is there value in like you're going to a wedding so you dress up right. you're going to shul. you just I mean there there is uh you know, and and even in that relationship, that most comfortable relationship, um, it, th- there might be value in being completely yourself, um, being reserved for only the most intimate relationships, um, being completely vulnerable and completely yourself, uh, without any sort of. Uh, you know, without any, any outside pressures, that's reserved for your wife, that's reserved for your kids. I wonder if there's uh, if there's value in that. Like if I was totally myself all the time, my wife would, would freak out. She'd she'd be upset. I'd run out of the kiddish every time. I would never schmooze with anybody (laughs) because, you know, uh, socially, I don't, uh, I don't love it. I think you froze. are we back yeah okay okay I sorry about that i don't know where you lost me but um
0: yeah um i i lost you when you were you were um talking about the value of that etiquette and how that can translate into even like back home when we're with that most uh, intimate or comfortable person.
1: Right. So I, I was thinking like what occurred to me is that if I was always 100% myself, I probably wouldn't be as productive in, in the world mm-hmm. and probably it would annoy my wife a little bit. Not in the sense that, you know, uh, that, that that she's not the only one that sees me fully as myself, but in the sense that like, You got to behave yourself when you're in public. You have to, you know. Yeah, you have to. If you're at the shul's kiddish and you're the rabbi of the shul, you need to socialize with people. You can't just run into a corner somewhere like you want to, Um, you know. So I'd love to hear you uh, elaborate on on that, or if you disagree with that entirely.
0: No, 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 I I don't disagree with it at all. I, I I think I agree with that. Maybe, maybe I'm just wondering if a way that we could formulate that, that it kind of still fits into this framework is that we have different parts of ourself. And so the idea being that the, the let's call it the rabbi part that, you know, where's the the tahai and socializes at the kiddish and etc. It's not an inauthentic part. It is a part of yourself and that that's different still than the part that would just be the, you know, the figuratively speaking, letting the hair down um, part uh, and 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 the idea being that we to to be authentically me, we actually need all those parts of ourselves. So like I like to think that that pretty much all the quote unquote diagnoses in the DSM or within the world of mental health, even the more extreme ones, are all functions of the human condition. They're just more extreme versions that can become disordered. So let's say, you know, somebody has, you know, bipolar or schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder, things like that where They show up in different settings or in different times in their life in ways that are completely split in their personality, like completely split that one doesn't even know of the other and it's completely different and, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, etc. But we all have that to some degree, just that in a healthy version of that, in a ordered version as opposed to the disordered version, in the ordered healthy version of that, we kind of have a core almost as if you like – a, like a container that is able to hold all of those things together in a way that it's – that they're integrated with one another and that they're not completely split from one another, but that different aspects of self show up in different ways. And so there's the aspect of ourself that is just kind of letting go of all the other aspects, and that's the part that's kind of – meant for that home experience when it's later at night, and I can just, you know, take off the tie, etc, whatever it is for each person. But then we have parts of ourselves that we also need to have activated and actualized, which are the giving the drusha, being on a podcast, you know, wh- whatever it might be for different people. Uh, so so I think it kind of still fits within in, in that in that rubric. And and maybe I guess the, what, what I'm hearing you add is that the societal expectations or etiquettes, etc, can Kind of help us to actualize some of those parts that really are
1: important to actualize. Yeah, I mean, I think it was particularly within the frum community, um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of our accomplishments and a lot of what keeps us in line and keeps us uh, doing mitzvos and, uh, and, and 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 keeps us disciplined enough. Is that, you know, if I miss Shachris, the guy who sits next to me is going to say, oh, I missed you today. Where where were you? You know, like there is a lot of that chevershef um, that really we find that I find at least that with learning programs, um, the successful learning programs are the one that involve some subtle amount of peer pressure. Um, I don't mean in, in a negative way. I mean, in a completely positive way that, and, yeah. you know, that's but like you said, that's not a costume. That's allowing you know some part of you to uh to express itself, and I also don't think it's so bad when we see only the better parts of other people you know uh, a lot of times if you'd see all the negativity it would be uh, it would be very frustrating and <laughs> and it wouldn't be so motivating necessarily um but when you get to see the good stuff if you don't if it doesn't crush you and you don't feel unworthy or you know but but it, it motivates you um you know, like there, there's a whole debate about like uh, the art school biographies, right? Where they don't go right, through right. the struggles. Like, there's a biography about a particular Godel, not written by art school, I think, about a particular Godel who got divorced at some stage in his life, and it didn't mention a word about his divorce. Like, it was a, obviously it was a major event in in <laughs> in his life, um, and you know, so people criticize, like, why did they leave out those things? Now, while some of the struggles may be um, May be uh very inspiring in in seeing how people overcame the struggles uh, I find the victories very inspiring also meaning I think like emphasizing what made them great as opposed to what made them average you know uh to mm-hmm. be to to be what I want to read about. I find it to be very inspiring to see that about people, but i, I understand both sides of that uh, of that debate and how right. people will be motivated by different elements
0: right or I guess the middle ground would be that that the victory is is inspiring when, when we see the victory in the context of actually being a matter of struggle, as opposed to, I guess, what can sometimes feel like it's a victory that just was it was just an alley-oop for them it didn't it doesn't look like much of a victory when
1: right so i think all would agree that you know a rags to riches kind of story you know like in, in the rev gifter biography it says that when he applied to mta as a ninth grader they put him in the lowest shear and he overheard someone in the office say what why are you putting him in the lowest shear and they said because we don't have anything lower uh <sighs> meaning and, and like and, and that's where that's where he, and then he became rev gifter you know so that I think all agree is inspiring and that all agree uh, is something that clearly overcoming a weaker kind of background um, where we're, I'm very happy uh, to not read about things that were not overcome. <laughs> things right, that were just, right. you know, struggles where there were just weaknesses. People sometimes mm-hmm. have weaknesses. And yeah. I'd rather not read about the weaknesses. And, uh, you know, there's a beautiful part I heard from Isaac Bernstein's of Rachel once. I don't remember who he quoted, um, but the Pasuk says which literally means don't make yourself into, a, uh, don't don't make for yourself, rather, a graven image, uh, whether it be an image of the sun, the moon, the stars, or whether it be something down here on earth, you shouldn't have idols. Uh, but he had al Drush, don't make yourself into a Passover Kaltemunah, into an image of somebody else. Don't try to be someone else. How then should you utilize other people in self-motivating and becoming the best you? Asher when it comes to heavenly matters, when it comes to matters of Ruchni, is look me ma'al. Look at those who have achieved more, those who have done more with less, and, uh, and use that as a motivator. And when it comes to earthly matters, when it comes to gashmius, when it comes to creature comforts, and uh, things of that nature, look at those who make do with less and are, uh, are still wow. to in their happiness. Wow.
0: Yeah, I guess it really is kind of a, a sometimes a, a difficult, uh, a, a subtle or nuanced balance. Because I could say like for myself, I am a member of a shul here in Chicago where I feel that many, many of the guys, the chevra that I'm a part of, are people who uh, are really kove and, itim and learn in, and at, a, at a level and in, in a quantity and a, a seriousness that... Uh, that that that's a level uh, sometimes above me, or that the the dikduk and halacha, or the hakpadev being on time to minion, etc., are things that at times I can feel self conscious of, and in a way that I think is actually really good for me and really helpful. Uh, but if it's if it's in a way of that it's not a matter of being inspired by it or a way of of holding myself to, the, to where I think I should be, but it's more of trying to uh, be kind of more self-critical in the sense of, you know, why am I not like them? Well, I guess, because even that question, it really depends on how you ask it. Like, it's a very subtle thing, right? Because like, why am I not like them can be a very helpful question. But then why am I not like them can be a really devastating question, like a really yeah. damaging question. It's really, a, it's really it's very subtle in, in how a person experiences it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, what the, what, what this chapter emphasizes is to be you and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's why I love it. I think it's uh, yeah. it's such a critical, critical message. And, you know, I, I, I you touch upon it, which you mentioned before about how, people sometimes do use negative motivation but usually even when that leads to accomplishment it's in a very narrow area and i know people like this i know people who are extraordinary professionally um and and it's purely through through negative motivation and yeah. they struggle a lot with with a lot of other things a lot of other areas yeah. of life and i think um uh david Lichtenstein once said that uh thank god now people seek Um, coaching and therapy and, you know, to to, to help them through these things. He said that it used to be that if someone would say, I I see a therapist, they would say, oh, what's wrong with you? He said where he comes from now, he's the CEO of a large company. If someone says, I don't have a therapist, they would say, well, what's wrong with you? Meaning uh, dealing with those kinds of pressures and those kinds of stresses, it could lead to a very unhealthy kind of uh, balance if you don't have something to balance you out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I do have uh, one or two more questions but to make sure that uh, I have a chance is there any anything else in that that you had in mind that you wanted to to highlight
1: or share Um I I really loved the uh, the quote from of cook I just want to read it because I think it's fantastic toward the end of the chapter the more a person loves himself the more the goodness within him will spread to everything on all his surroundings on the whole world on all existence the more one elevates his own worth internally and externally, so too the light and goodness will be elevated and strengthened in the world. Just that expansive uh, nature of, of of feeling good, I think, is so so critical. And uh, asherecha for um, you know for highlighting that.
0: Thank you. So one, one last question: I, I saw a uh, a rabbi psychologist once make the ha'ara the the observation the insight that when it says in Perkeivos Eizu Asher Bachelko, which and this relates to the conversation we've been weaving in and out of this whole time, Azu Asher who's the the wealthy person, the one who is happy with their with their portion, that in typically we we always hear that that Maimar Chazal that statement in the context of let's say Muster Shmuz is talking about materialism, right, and and the physical world that a person should be happy with what they have and and that's real wealth. Uh, and and that that's what we want to you know kind kind of work on. And, and his point was that, that 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 the Mishnah there at least overtly doesn't seem to to specify that that's only talking about material the material chelek that a person has, the material portion a person has, but it's also referring to the spiritual portion portion that a person has. Uh, and, and, and he, he thinks it's essentially important that we apply that that same exact kind of mindset and that that specific Lamar chazal but everything that comes with it uh to our Rukhnius as well as our gashmius i'm curious what what you think about that that way of looking at it
1: yeah so i have been asked a similar question just last night at my son's high school graduation um one of the speakers one of the students said that in the last day of machshava class of senior year right at the end of class one of the talmidim asked uh if if you're supposed to be sameach Bechelko in ruchnius. Um, huh. And and if you are, then like, what's the point of doing anything if you're already samech bechelko? And then the, the speaker said, and the bell rang, and high school was over. You <laughs> 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 will never have an answer to this question. Um, but I think there's a difference between samech bechelko and mestapik Um mm-hmm. Meaning, um, it's one can never be mestapik Bemuat when it comes to ruchnius. A person should never feel. That he's arrived, that he's accomplished enough, that he's done enough. Uh, there's no word in 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 Hakodesh uh, for retirement because there's no such concept. Um, a person has to use every moment of life to try to be better and do more and accomplish. Samech b'chelko. I do believe though applies to Ruchnius in the sense that. Um, whatever you've accomplished is is worthy of celebrating. Meaning, uh, a small victory is also a victory. Um, you know, uh, Kalev Ben Yifuna is 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 celebrated for uh, standing up to the Maraglim and causing everyone to just stop with all the chaos and with the maraglim everyone following what the is about to say. He failed. He he stopped everyone from getting caught up in it for a half a second until they ignored him and then went, went back to being caught up in it. But but that half a second is also valuable. Meaning, every small victory should be viewed as a victory. We can only look at things as you know the, an all or nothing attitude is uh, could be very destructive. So I think it's it's important that we be samech bchalko. At the same time, never, never be, um, never feel that we've accomplished all that that needs to be accomplished. Thank you.
0: That's a really, really helpful clarifying distinction. between those two uh, those two phrases. Yeah. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Okay. Thank nice. you so much for making this time to have this conversation with me and for looking at the book. I really, really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. You should just know I, I quoted the book last week in my uh, uh, in, in my shir in yeshiva. And uh, I had forgotten the name of the book. All the Talmudim knew it. They all uh, they said wow. it's a fantastic you. work. So you're making an impact and you should keep on doing so. Thank God. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening.
0: If you enjoyed this, please follow us on WhatsApp, YouTube, or Instagram. All our podcast series can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd love to hear from you, so please reach out with questions, comments, or suggestions, or to be added to our WhatsApp groups. You can reach us through email using yakov.attached Y-A-K-O-V, at gmail.com or on WhatsApp at 773 888 2413.